So instead of starting off with a story, I want to start off by having you think about your story. I want you to think about your big goals. I want you to think about how far you've come. Because Rosh Hashanah is an amazing time. And on the one hand, it's Yom Hadin. Now, Yom Hadin, when we think about Rosh Hashanah, it's not just Hashem's giving us an accounting for what we did this past year. It is the root of the upcoming year. A good analogy, a good marshal will be to think of it as a seed. Rosh Hashanah is the seed of the upcoming year. The upcoming year, everything it could be, everything that we want it to be, it is determined, the max potential of that upcoming year is determined on Rosh Hashanah. The rest of the year blossoms from that root. So we are literally entering into an amazing time where our upcoming year is being created. But in addition to being Yom Hadin, it's also a Yom of Simcha because we're entering into the Yom Nehrayim, which culminates in Yom Kippur, where we're forgiven for all of, all of our sins, all of our avonus from the past year. So in addition to being a, a zman of yira, a zman of, of heightened awe and, and awareness of the truth of reality, it's also a zman of simcha, where HaKadosh Baruch gives us this gift of kapara. But it's also a time of dreams. Rosh Hashanah is a time of thinking big. It's a time of trying to conceive of the greatest year imaginable to daven for, to strive for, to yearn for. And it's such an amazing experience that we have every Rosh Hashanah. It's this time where we come up with New Year's resolutions, we come up with big goals, big ideas, big dreams. And how often do we look back at our list from last year and it's almost identical? And you've heard this probably a million times before, and yet it happens all the time. We we question ourselves. We say, how, how is this possible? How is it possible that in... Don't get me wrong. I'm sure that you've grown in many areas of your life, but there are probably things that you've been dreaming about for a long time that you're still dreaming about. And the question is, what holds us back? What stops us? So uh, we're obviously going to delve a lot deeper, but on a purely psychological level, the moment we have these big dreams, what usually happens? The moment we have these big dreams... Uh, the Yitzhahar, this voice in the back of our head, starts to talk to us and say, oh, you think you can do that? You think you can start learning more? You think you can start getting healthy? You think you can work on your marriage or relationships? You think you can have more self-confidence? What makes you think that? When was the last time that you were able to do that? Well, what about your past experience makes you believe that you're capable of achieving greatness? And that voice in the back of your head tells you, stop, stop with those dreams. Stop with those big goals. Just accept the way things are. You are never going to change. And the question is, how do we overcome that? How do we actually start achieving the impossible? How do we start making progress? How do we do something new? And the question's really a fascinating question because for some of us, it's it's the, like the same habits. It's you know we we press snooze on the alarm. We you know say yes to unhealthy food. We you know get into those same arguments. It's those same cycles. And the question is, how do we pull ourselves out? And how does this tie into Rosh Hashanah? What is Rosh Hashanah really about? And I want to delve deep into Rosh Hashanah. I want to go really deep into Rosh Hashanah. But I would say the first thing. The first thing to think about is to review, we've talked about this many times, to review uh, a little bit of a deeper understanding of Teshuvah. Because if we're going to try to understand Rosh Hashanah in a deep way, 
beyond the concept of, yes, we are determining our future, but to really tap into what Rosh Hashanah is truly about, because it's not what you think. It's not what you think. I'll guarantee you that. There is something much deeper about Rosh Hashanah that most people don't know of. And I want to develop that today. But the first stage in order to develop that which is much deeper is we have to start with the, the surface level of teshuva. Because what is teshuva? And the Rambam puts hilchos, uh, the halachos of free will in teshuva. Why? Because the essence of teshuva is becoming something new, right? The essence of teshuva is changing your habits to create something new. That's what we would think. But it's something a lot more than that. Because what does teshuva actually mean? Shuv, return. Return to what? Return to who? Where? What is this idea of returning? So the Rambam delineates three essential aspects of teshuva. Halachically, there are three aspects. The first is you have to go into the past and recognize that you did something wrong. Right? The first, the Ramchal talks about this beautifully in the Mishra You can't improve unless you recognize that there's something you can improve on. If you aren't able to makir, to recognize, hakar satuva is recognizing the good. Hakar hara is also equally important. You have to recognize what you can improve. That's the first step. Look at yourself in the mirror, and the psychological mirror in this case. Look deep into yourself and say, who can I become? What can I shift? What is holding me back from that next stage of growth? What are those things that I know I need to improve on that will help me excel in my self-development, in my awareness, my connection with Hashem, my relationship, my physical health, my emotional so, you know, well-being, my intellectual growth? What's holding me back? The next stage is you have to go into the present and you have to genuinely both regret what you did wrong, meaning it's one thing to recognize that the other thing is you have to want to change, you have to want to improve, you have to connect it to the emotional response of I have charat, I want to be more. And the third stage, which I wouldn't say it's the most important because for different people, different stages are more important, more difficult for sure, but for some people, different stages are more important. But the third stage is to direct towards the future and to commit to being a better version of yourself, to commit to stopping whatever it is that you were doing and to commit to becoming that great, greater at least, greater version of yourself. And the classic question is, the Ram says, what's Shuvah Gemurah? It's that if you're in the same exact position as last time and you don't do the, you don't do, make the mistake again. So the question is, how do you, you're saying the only way that you can actually fulfill Teshuvah is if you're put in the same exact position, but it's impossible. Number one, you're never gonna be put in the same exact position and number two, how are you supposed to know that? You, you, you have to wait until you're, it's clarified. So, so there's a lot of deep Torah in this. But the simple answer, which is also a profound answer, is that it has to become real enough that if you were put in the same position, you wouldn't do it again. Meaning right now you so, so want to be, become a greater version of yourself that if you were put in the same position, you wouldn't do it. But there's a deeper layer of Teshuvah as well. Because teshuva is not just wiping away your sins. Teshuva is not making a new choice to become someone new. That's part of it. But the deeper layer is that teshuva, as we've mentioned many, many times before, and this is just an introductory principle, which if you haven't heard before, it's revolutionary. If you've heard it before, it's obviously good chazara. The deeper layer of teshuva, as, the, as Maharal explains in the Ramchal, and a lot of 
Bali Machshava, this is the core of their Machshava, is that Yeshuvah means to return, and you're returning to who you really are. You're returning to your higher self. And it's based on the Gemara, Nida the Flamin and that says that when you were in the womb, you learned Kola Torah Kula. That we've, as we've mentioned many times before, the villain going to explain it's not just Torah. It's not Chumash. It's not Rashi. It's not Gemara. You're learning the cosmic root of reality. You're being shown the purpose of everything. You're being shown your unique purpose. And right before you're born, the Malach hits you in the mouth and you forget everything. Why? The villain going to explain so that you can come into this world and build it yourself. It was given as a gift in the womb to show you what you could become, what you're supposed to become, but you're then put into this world and you don't lose it, you lose access to it. And you come into this world to create it and build it yourself. And it's like Michelangelo was once asked, how do you build these amazing sculptures? And he says, I don't build it. It's right there beneath the surface. I just chisel away the, you know, everything blocking it. And once I chisel away the outer surface, I reveal the true sculpture underneath. And that's really what life is. You're not learning, you're relearning. You are creating yourself, but you're actually recreating yourself. You're discovering who you really are. And the entire journey of life is becoming you. Becoming great doesn't mean just you know striving for some objective greatness. It means striving for your unique greatness, who you're supposed to become. And that revolutionizes the concept of growth. And that's... And the Vilna actually gives a beautiful proof for this in Gemara, in Megillah, Vava uh, Mebez, where he says that the Gemara, the Gemara says that if someone says that I tried really hard, Yagati, Vilomatsasi, and I wasn't able to succeed in my learning, don't believe him, because he didn't really try hard. But if he says, Yagati, Matsasi, I tried really hard, and I was successful in my learning, you should believe him. So the Vilna says it shouldn't be Matsasi if I tried hard and I. Matsasi means Metsia, you found, you found a lost object. It should say that you succeeded, you accomplished, you learned it. Well, what's this mitziah? So the Lugan says that, no, it's a mitziah. Because when you were in the room, you learned it, and then you lost access to it. It's a, it's a, it's a lost, so to speak, a lost object, lost concept, a lost idea, lost knowledge. And when you learn in life, when you hear a deep idea, why do you have this sense of, yeah, it resonates with me. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah, that's true. Why? Why, why does it resonate with you? Because you're not creating a form of knowledge within yourself. You are simply activating a knowledge that's already rooted deeply within your consciousness, deep within yourself. You are simply rediscovering that which you once had. And that's also what life is about. You, you crave knowledge because you once had it. You crave greatness because you once had it. <laughs> the question I like to ask people is, you know, people crave things they once tasted. They crave pizza, you crave you know, delicious meats. Do you crave yaba galula? D- delicious dish, yaba galula, do you crave it? No, of course not, because I just made it up. You only crave that which you once tasted. You crave wisdom, you crave closeness with Hashem, you crave greatness, because that's deeply rooted within you. You lost access to that when you were born, but your job in life is to spend your entire life rebuilding that. And the Vilnagon says something absolutely chilling. He says that there's a very strange Gemara, which says that at the end of your life, you're going to come to Shemayim, and Malachim are going to come, and they're going to say, where's your mitzvos, where's your avirus, and where's your Torah? So the Vilnagon asks, he says, okay, mitzvos and avirus, I understand, but Torah? Talmud Torah is a mitzvah. You know, it's a great mitzvah, but it's still a mitzvah. 
So what's this idea of one malach is going to ask you for your mitzvah, some for your verse, and one for your Torah? What's going on? So he said that, no, the malach isn't asking you if you learned Torah. He's asking if you learned your Torah, the Torah that you learned in the womb, your unique purpose in Tafkit, the Torah that you were supposed to bring to the world. And the Vilna says something absolutely incredible. He says, you're going to recognize that malach. Because that's the same malach that taught you Kola Torah Kula in the womb, that gave you your mission and your purpose. And he's coming back at the end of your life and he's going to say, did you do it? Did you make it your own? Did you accomplish it? That is powerful. That is powerful. But let's take it a step deeper. Because now that we have the concept of teshuva, let's try to delve into Rosh Hashanah. Because Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah is a strange chag because on the one hand, we think we know what it is. But once we start to ask some very, very interesting questions, we stop understanding what Rosh Hashanah is, and we need to really deepen our understanding of it. Because on the one hand, you think of it as a time of, of teshuva, a time of closeness to Hashem, a time of din. But let's, let's start to analyze it. A couple questions. Number one, one of the most famous things we say in the tefillah of Rosh Hashanah is that how do we uproot a bad gezira? Teshuva, tefillah, tzedakah. Teshuva, tefillah, staka. Now, teshuva, I understand. Teshuva, that's how you, be, you, you know, the gezerah was on you and you're becoming someone new or you're returning to your root, you're becoming a better version of yourself, you're able to make that gezerah no longer, I mean, the deeper understanding of it is not you're uprooting the gezerah, it's that the gezerah was on a certain version of you and be, by becoming someone better or greater or by returning to your true self, the gezerah is no longer on the right address because the, you're no longer the person who did it. You're someone else. You're the, the truer, greater version of yourself. So that's one way to uproot it. Another version is tefillah, which we just gave a shir on tefillah. It's that same concept of you are becoming a higher version of yourself. Tefillah is a vodas haliyah. It's a vodas haratzon. It's yearning to become a truer, higher, greater version of yourself, to connect with Hashem on an even deeper level, to tap into a higher root aspect of your inner will. And by doing that, you're able to, once again, you know, uproot the gzera. But the question that everyone asks is, what, what's, tzedakah, what's tzedakah doing there? Tzedakah is a great mitzvah. Giving charity is incredible. But what's the, the deeper idea here? It's just like a magic trick. You give tzedakah and it solves the problem. What's the deeper meaning behind tzedakah being able to uproot a bad gzera? And this, there's another also very fascinating problem in the Rambam. The Rambam he says something absolutely stunning. He says, in Elchus Tshuva, he's talking about people who can't do Tshuva. And he says that one of the people who can't do Tshuva is someone who's Poresh Minatsibor. And he explains that who's, well, what does it mean to be Poresh Minatsibor? He could learn Torah. He could be fulfilling all the mitzvahs. He could be an upstanding individual and he can be a great person. But if he distances himself from the tzibur, from Klai Yisrael, he goes off into, let's say, by himself into a cave, and he says, I don't want to have anything to do with Klai Yisrael. That itself is someone who can't do tshuva and has no share in Olamava. Can't do tshuva and he has no share in the world to come. Now, that seems to be a, a very inappropriate punishment or consequence for someone who simply said, I want to do my own thing. He's still learning Torah, still fulfilling the mitzvahs, he's still a good person. Why, simply by removing himself from the community, does that person not only not get Shirnalam Haba, but he is unable to perform Teshuvah? What's the deep idea there? 
But the question which I think is probably going to be the most striking question, especially for how we understand Rosh Hashanah, is that there's one glaring, like, non-existing concept when it comes to the entire Rosh Hashanah. One glaring omission from all of tefillah, all of, all of tefillah. And Rosh Hashanah, we don't focus on teshuva. Now you're going to say, what? Yom Hadin, we're being judged for our entire year. It's the root of the year. It's the seed of the year. We should be focusing on teshuva. We should be asking Hashem to forgive us. We should be asking Hashem to accept us back. We should be yearning to get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We don't talk about teshuva. We don't talk about, there's no mention of teshuva. We don't make personal requests, no personal bakashos. Right? Everything we say is in the plural. When we're talking about Klai Yisrael, we don't, we don't mention ourselves. We're literally in court. We're literally asking Hashem to forgive us for our sins. We don't talk about ourselves. We don't ask Hashem to forgive us for our sins. We don't mention teshuva. There's no vidui. There's no vidui. We, it's like, what? Like all of Elul, all of Slichos. And, uh, what happened in Rosh Hashanah? Right after Rosh Hashanah, go back to Slichos. Yom Kippur is literally a day of Slichos. Rosh Hashanah, no, no vidui. No Slichos. What is going on? This is literally Yom Hadin, and we're not mentioning Din. This is literally Yom Hadin, and we're not asking Kaj Baruch Hu to forgive us for our sins. Now, I understand you want to qualify it. You don't want to only mention our sins, but we don't mention it once. And if you think about it, first of all, the Rizal said that it would be terrible to say Vidu in Rosh Hashanah. It would be spiritually damaging. You don't want to see that. And even the things that we do say that seem to be related to the Shuvah and Vidu, those aren't even fundamental to feel. So for example, we say, right? This was actually added much later. It was added in the ninth century. And it, it, there was actually a lot of debate whether we should even say this. And we still say that in the plural. So uh, if you want to even take it a step further, if you forget it, you don't have to go back because it's not essential. So it's like, it's unbelievable. It's the same idea for Avinu Malkinu. It's the real tefillah of Rosh Hashanah is Ishmonestres, where we say the three parts of Malchios, Zechronos, and Shofros, and this is not about Teshuva. There's no Vidoe, we're not, uh, you know, clapping al chaitz. What is going on? What, what is Rosh Hashanah really about? And it, it's... It, it really, it, it's, it's such a good question. You know, sometimes the questions are there just to give an answer so you can, like, share an idea. This question is a really good question. This is Yom HaDin, and we don't mention the din that we are trying to get out of. Well, we don't mention, uh, you know, we're not focusing on, on Teshuvah, at least not in the way that we, we would think of Teshuvah as being. So what is going on there? If there's one day where, where we should be saying Vidu, it's Rosh Hashanah, and we're not. So, so what's happening? I, I want to deepen it as well, because Rosh Hashanah is our Yom Hadin. And Chazal talk about how like each individual is judged, and it's like one person going you know, at a time, and it's uh, you know, on the edge of a cliff, and a lot of different analogies. It's Yom Hadin, and all we do in Rosh Hashanah really is talk about Hashem. We don't mention ourselves. We don't talk about uh, uh, the the things we want to be forgiven for. It's you know we would think that the the ultimate day of asking Hashem to forgive us, and all we do is talk about Hashem. Hashem is our Melech, accepting Hashem as our Melech, crowning Hashem as our Melech. Melech, what is going on? We're being judged for the entire year, 
and we don't mention ourselves. We don't ask Hashem to forgive us. Why? What's happening? And perhaps, to, you know, the culmination of this entire problem is that Rosh Hashanah should come after Yom Kippur. Think about it. Rosh Hashanah is the day of judgment. Yom Kippur is a day of kapara, being forgiven. Now, when would you want to be forgiven? Before you're being judged for the rest of the year or after? If you're being judged for the rest of the year, you'd want your slate, you know, wiped clean, your slate wiped clean, so that you can then come in looking pure, looking like an angel, which is what Yom Kippur is about, and then Hashem will say, look at this pure individual, of course I'm going to you know, give you an amazing year. But what we do, we go in Rosh Hashanah and say, give me an amazing year, please, Akash Baruch Hu. Then we get forgiven on Yom Kippur? It just doesn't make any sense. It's like, if you think about it, it, let's say you're you're on trial, and the judge is determining what's going to happen to you. Imagine being quiet the entire time. The judge, you know, bangs the gavel and sentences you, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, you start saying, "Please, no, you don't understand. I, I, you know, I'm begging you to forgive me." I, you know, like, you know, all of these other ideas, all the, you start to basically make an appeal after the verdict. And the judge will say, well, that's great. That's a great appeal. You have a lot of great points, but why didn't you speak up beforehand? That seems to be what we're doing. The verdict is on Rosh Hashanah, and then we go back to Vidui, and Yom Kippur is the ultimate day of Vidui and Kapara. So we, we should be switching the order. Why in the world does Rosh Hashanah come before Yom Kippur? Again, like these are really big questions, and if you want to deepen it as well, you can. We've talked about this in the previous couple shir, but the whole idea of of, of Malchios and Zechronos and Shofros, why these three? What are these three themes about, and really, what is Shofar about? So like the Rambam says that Shofar is about waking us up from our slumber. Like, you know, people are sleeping. Like, what what, what does that mean to be woken up? So we just gave a very very deep share on that, and you can reference that. We'll maybe touch upon that a little bit. But these are the, the essential questions of the day. And if you're a thinking Jew, like we should always be wanting to deepen our understanding of of Torah thought, of Judaism, of life, of of what it means to be a Jew. And when we have so many things that we do in life. You want to deepen every single one of them, and you want to interconnect them. You want to really gain a deeper understanding, a deeper conscience, deeper meaning behind it. And when we come to Rosh Hashanah, can't you just go through Rosh Hashanah, say the tefillah, and go home? What is Rosh Hashanah really about? So in order to develop this correctly, we need to develop a couple principles. In order to really understand what Rosh Hashanah is about, we need to understand the concept of oneness. What is oneness? So we live in a world of multiplicity, a physical world. You're there, I'm here. You see things, things in the background, things in the room you're in. You can look up, you can look down. We live in a three-dimensional physical world. Now, the Maharal, the Ramchal, the Chaim, Tzaddik, basically, you know, all, all the deeper Bali Machshava, they all refer to the spiritual world or spirituality as referring to the concept or at least related to the concept of oneness what is oneness oneness is that which is not a thing it's not here or there it's beyond thing it's beyond even infinite because you can think of infinity as having an infinite number of finite points 
but we're going beyond things. We're going to a realm of absolute interconnected oneness that is beyond expression. What's the relationship between oneness and the physical world? Well, the physical world is two-ness. HaKadosh Baruch created physical world as an expression of oneness, an expression of spirituality. So uh, the way that we can think about it and, and the deep idea behind this is that HaKadosh Baruch created the world with a base. Why? So the Maharal explains that the, the Midrash says that HaKadosh Baruch created the world with base because base is the letter of bracha. So the Ibn Ezra famously says he doesn't understand why because base also stands for a lot of other things. Maharal explains why. Because bracha is the word of tunis. Concept of bracha is the connection between Hashem, which is the source, oneness, flowing into the world of Tunis. The word bracha, literally, beis, reish, chaf, all of those have a gematria of two. So beis is two, reish is 200, chaf is 20. It's the, it's the word of Tunis. It's the relationship where the shefa, the energy, the creative flow from oneness, from akash bracha, flows into the world of multiplicity, into the physical world. Bez is the letter of creation. That's why the Torah starts with a base. Beratius. It was in the Vilna actually says that's also the creation of time. You know, different events, one after another, a realm of multiplicity. We live in the physical world, but the physical world is interconnected with the spiritual. And oneness is always the root and it flows into Tunis. And that's why when Akash Baruch revealed himself by Mount Torah, what's the first letter of of that experience, what's the first letter of the first Dibra? Anochi Hashem, Aleph, the letter of oneness. The spiritual, the transcendent, that realm of oneness is the root and Tunis is the expression. And we have this in every aspect of life. First of all, you have it in yourself. You, you're a Neshama, you're a soul, a self, a consciousness, a, a, an inner being, you have your own inner world. And then you have your individual thoughts. You have your physical body, which is an expression of your inner self. Meaning, not only, we can talk about this at a different time, not only are your actions, your words, and your thoughts individual components that are, you know, so to speak, expressions of your oneness self, but your body is also an expression of yourself. So are your things. They are extensions of you in the physical world. But you, you, when you say I, you're referring to yourself. You're referring to your, your inner mind, your inner consciousness, your higher inner self. When we talk about teshuva, it's about delving deeper and deeper into yourself, getting more and more in touch with yourself. Oneness is always the spiritual root. Two-ness is always the expression. But the expression reveals the root. So you can always trace yourself back to the root. So for example... Avraham looked at the physical world and said there must be a creator and traced himself back to the root. He was able from the physical to get back to the spiritual. Chazal said he was able to ascertain and understand all the different mitzvahs, even the Gzir Sterabanan. And Shlomo HaMelech, who was given access to all of Torah wisdom, was able to therefore understand all of its expressions and understand all of the physical wisdom of this world. You can basically go either way. Now, which one's ideal? Is it better to go from the expression back to the root or from the root to the expression? It's always best to go from the root to the expression. But when you don't have access to the root, you can get access from the expression. So a couple other examples that we've talked about before. The idea of taking multiplicity, taking the physical world and understanding how to trace it back to a spiritual root, you can actually understand it in some sense, as the Maharal explains through the concept of 678. So we live in a three-dimensional world. 
And as we've mentioned many times, that means that there's a right, left, forward, backward, up, and down. That's really six, six sides, it's like a three-dimensional cube. But the seventh is that which interconnects it. So the entire physical world is built off of sevens. Because you can have the six sides which are just lying flat on the floor. What interconnects them? It's called the, the seventh, the, the, the center, the, that which interconnects it. It's Shabbos, interconnects the seven days of the week. So that way there's seven days in the week, seven lights in the spectrum of light, seven notes in the musical scale, the Sheva Minim, Sheva Mitzvah, Bnei Noach. You can go through all the different sevens. Eight is Lamal Mantava. Eight is that which transcends the sum of its parts. So, for example, it's the neshama to the body. It's, let's say you have a radio, it's, you know, the radio frequency is when you put all the pieces in the right way together, you get something that's greater than the sum of its parts. And the eighth is always that which is, you know, emanates from the pieces. It's, it's that which is the, the oneness concept relative to the physical pieces. So we've talked about brismila, which is uplifting the physical vessel, that which, you know, the aver that we do the brismila on the eighth day, that can be used for the most animalistic things, but we use it for the spiritual, for the transcendent. Uh, Hanukkah is the miracles of Shem and Shemona, that light which emanates from the candle, that's the eighth. So we're not going to go deep into this right now because we can give a whole share just on this, but the idea is like this. Oneness, the eighth, the spiritual, the transcendent, is always the root of the physical expression, but you can always find the, the, the root within the expression. And it's where oneness becomes multiplicity, it's where the spiritual becomes physical, it's where the infinite becomes finite. And the idea is, is I'll just give you two last very quick examples for those that are still trying to wrap their mind around it. The concept of beauty is no specific thing. Like what's beautiful? When you look at a beautiful picture, like is the color blue beautiful? Beauty is when all the different pieces come together in such a way that the result transcends the sum of its parts. So you look at a beautiful sunset, it's not the sun or the ocean or the sand or the reflection, it's the entire scene creating something so grand and awesome that you're just lost for words because the result transcends the sum of its pieces. Music, great symphony, great music, you don't hear any individual note. You don't hear any individual instrument. You don't hear any individual anything. All the pieces come together in such a way that you just have this experience of beautiful music. That's the concept of creating oneness out of multiplicity. That which transcends the sum of its parts. And here's where we get to the core principle. You, yourself, are the root of all of the different multiplicity, all of the different expressions of you. So your thoughts and your emotions and your physical actions and your speech and like all that stems from you as an interconnected oneness self, an inner being that's the root of all of that expression. Claudius Yisrael also has a root self. Knesset Yisrael, Shekhinah, we're not going to talk about different terms, but Claudius Yisrael, while we're all individual members, we're all individual branches, we are all stemming from a single root, a single self, a single consciousness, a single, a single neshama. It's the neshama of Klal Yisrael. So much of life is about recognizing that all the different aspects of your life need to be rooted back into one higher self, your true self. And all of life is to shuva return into your true higher self. But that true higher self is rooted in an even higher self, Klai Yisrael. Klai Yisrael is your root self. We are all, all of Klai Yisrael is part of one root self. 
And the concept of oneness to multiplicity, once again, is that one self of Kleistral springs forth and, and has so many offshoots of all the individual. And without getting into, we can get obviously then split up into 12 Shvatim, then into families and to individuals the, the the concept of the tree is obviously a beautiful analogy because you have a trunk and then thick branches thinner branches thinner branches thinner branches uh you know but we're all interconnected we all are part of one tree and really at root all of humanity is part of one tree we're all from adam harisha and all from one root soul but to give you a beautiful analogy in addition to the fact that a seed becomes a trunk that expands into uh, all those different branches look at a torah right open up a chumash you have a letter that letter becomes a word that word becomes a sentence that sentence becomes a paragraph which becomes a chapter which becomes a, a book a sefer and that becomes part of the chumashi torah which is a series it's an ever-expanding like one individual one individual person is part of something so much bigger than themselves And one letter by itself, you say, that's nothing. One letter is missing from a Sefer Torah. The whole Sefer Torah is puzzle. Why? Because every individual is part of that collaborative, interconnected self. And it's not only that you're essential and that you're supposed to contribute something essential, it's that you are fundamentally essential. Like you are part of the DNA of reality. You are part of the story. And the Chazal say that each of us are allowed in the Sefer Torah, but that's the deep idea. That one letter in Sefer Torah, it's like, an, it's like an organism. You take out part of a DNA, one chromosome is missing from a zygote, and that human being will have, unfortunately, a lot of problems. It's the same thing. You take out one letter from the Torah, you're, you're messing with the DNA, the blueprint of reality. One person disappears, and does, that person stops existing in the world. The world is missing something fundamental, something essential. Each of us are a fundamental letter. Each of us are something, a, a fundamental expression, a fundamental part, a fundamental self within the higher self of Klai Yisrael, which is an amazing, amazing idea. But here's where it gets really interesting. Do you experience yourself as part of this awesome, interconnected self of Klai Yisrael? Do you look around at, at fellow Jews and say, wow, we are part of one self. I love you so much. Just like uh, I, I love myself. Just like uh, I, I'm, you know, my finger's not jealous of another finger. Like I'm not jealous of you. I love you. I have no ill feelings against you. Unfortunately, we live in the world where that's not always the case. Now, why? Because when we are born, just like we forget who we are, we forget, we lose access to who we truly are. Remember, the mal hits you in the mouth, you forget everything you learned to the womb, you forget who you are, your purpose, and you have to go into this world and build it and, and create it, so to speak. But you're not really building, creating, you're really tapping into it, you're really bringing it to the forefront of your awareness and consciousness, you're really just reactivating it, reaccessing it. In that same way, when we are born, we forget that we're part of a bigger self. We forget that we're part of Klai Yisrael. We forget that we're, we're part of a grand cosmic self that has this grand cosmic purpose in the world. And how do we start off life? We start off life as an ego. Which means that we start off life thinking of ourselves as an isolated individual. We have our own thoughts, our own emotions, our own experiences, our own goals, our own drives, our own struggles, our own problems. 
and no one else knows and we're alone and naturally it's survival of the fist just make it on your own compete against people dislike people lie to people steal from people not that this is what people do but that would be like the natural starting point it's you against everyone else you're not interconnected you don't love them you don't naturally care about them naturally we're all selfish naturally when you're born all you care about is yourself your needs your desires you view yourself as separate from everyone else and you view yourself as separate from hashem you're just here alone in the world and I would say in addition to all the problems that come with that, like competition and hating people, the, the most fundamental pain, the most fundamental pain that comes from that is the feeling of being alone, utterly alone. That no one understands you. That no one really cares about you. That no one knows what it's like to be you. And there's a deep truth to that. No one will ever, ever experience your experiences. No one will ever know what it means to be you. But there's an, a lifelong process of developing something deeper. Now, on a practical level, part of it is communication, the ability to share what's going on in your head, inside your world with other people, building relationships, communicating building loving relationships, open relationships, being vulnerable, being caring, being willing to share and, and give people what's actually within you, meaning not to lie, not to say what people want you to say, not to be what people want you to be, but to be genuine, to share your true self. But to do this correctly, do this well, and to really be confident enough to do this, you have to first spend time figuring out what it means to be you. You have to come in touch with yourself. You have to spend time by yourself. You have to fall in love with yourself. You can't love anyone else if you don't love yourself. What does that mean to love yourself? The first step is to go back to what we just said, which is to realize, to realize that you are a neshama, that you are a self. You are a consciousness, a soul, an inner being, and that you are not your body. The maharal, the ramchal, nafshachayim, they all give this beautiful explanation of Olam Haba. It's not some great gift for your soul that your soul gets. It's you. You are your soul. You don't have a soul. You are a soul. Now, English is a poor language to talk about spiritual ideas, but there's no right word to talk about it, but you can refer to what you are as a self, a consciousness, a mind, an inner being. All of these words fall short of what it means to be in Neshama. But when you say I... What you refer to when you say, I, that's who you are. And in Olam Haba, you exist as the being you created, the, the inner self you constructed, the, the, the conscious, the mind, the intellect, all of the essential components of what you crafted and created and built and developed, how much of the teshuva process you were able to achieve during your lifetime, that's the experience of Olam Haba, the joy of everything you built. Obviously, the pain is everything you could have built, the pain is coming face to face with what you could have become and realizing that you you didn't, but the goal of this life is to make sure that th there's as small of a gap as possible between what you could have accomplished and what you did accomplish. What you could have become and what you did become. 
And that's why the Gemara Bracha Safnan Zion says that Shabbos is made on Habakkuk because Shabbos is a taste of the world to come because we stop the creative process and we experience who we are in Shabbos. You can't do malacha, malacha is creative activity. And on Habakkuk, you can't do malacha, you can't create anymore, you exist as the being that you became. Now, I will qualify by saying that there are stages of Olam Habakkuk, there are stages where you continue to become and develop, but an essential aspect of Olam Habakkuk is experiencing who you are in a static way. This world is becoming and the world to come is being, to an extent. Let's take it a step further. You, you are a soul, a self, a neshama. Your body, the vessel, a tool. It's an aspect of you, an expression of you. Your things are, we've talked about this in the past, your things are also halakhically, metaphysically, spiritually, extensions of you. Kinyanim, ownership. What, what, why can't someone take the shirt off your back, in addition to the fact that it's illegal? Well, why can't they do that? Because it actually does belong to them. It's actually a part of them. That's why Yaakov went back for those small utensils, because every aspect of of ownership is an expression of that person. It's a finite expression of their time, of their energy, uh, of their koach. And everything, every aspect of you is essential. You, your thoughts, your emotions, your physical body, your things, your relationships, they're all aspects and extensions of you. Now, Klai Yisrael, Klai Yisrael is the self of yourself it's you know when you perform the ultimate form of teshuva you get in touch with your higher self the root of that self is klai yisrael every single member of klai yisrael is connected to you is your literal spiritual brother sister we are all part of oneself and the way that you love other people is by recognizing that they're part of yourself now how, how are you supposed to do that? I mean, the, the classic question is, how do you genuinely build this oneness? How, how, like, we don't we don't experience that. Right now, we, we're not part of this oneself. You're here, I'm there, she's there, he's there. We're all individuals. We're not part of this oneness of Klyestral. So how do you experience that? Well, it's based off of a powerful principle. Rav Dessler explains like this. Rav Dessler explains that you really can only love yourself. And it's very logical because you only experience your own thoughts, your own emotions, your own needs. You can't really love someone else. I mean, when we say love, right? You say like, oh, I love that pizza. You love that pizza? No, you don't. You love how it makes you feel. People say, I love that chicken. If you love the chicken, you make sure that when it gets shechted, you make sure that it was alive. You don't love the chicken. You love how it makes you feel. What's love? Love is real oneness. But how do we experience that oneness if we're naturally separate and individuals? Shavdesha explains that the way you love someone else is by giving to them. Why? Because by giving to them, you can expand your sense of self to include them. The root of ahava is hav, which means to give. Why? Because you love yourself. You experience yourself as yourself. But you also love everything you invest yourself into. So you love any creative idea you came up with, any project that you created. So my parents love their children because they're literal, genetic, and existential expressions of themselves. They created them, obviously partners with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but 
the time and energy and effort that parents put into their children, they see so much of themselves in their children. We love what we invest in because it becomes an aspect of ourselves, an expression, an extension of ourselves. And not just psychologically, but in a true deep way. It unearths the aspect of interconnectivity that lies dormant within the relationship. When you give yourself to someone, you start to really tap into the interconnectivity, the oneness that lies between you. The facade of I'm here, you're there, I am me, I am an ego, you are there, you are your own self, that begins to fade away at root. We start to really get a sense of the interconnected oneness that lies at our shared root. How do you love someone else you give to them? Now the classic question that I always grappled with was, that's great, but you can't give to every member of Klai Israel. How are you supposed to love Klai Israel? What do you think? The way that you love Klai Israel is by committing your life to Klai Israel. So you're giving yourself to Klai Israel as a concept, and therefore any member of Klai Israel is by definition the recipient of that devotion and giving to Klai Israel, and you get to see yourself within every member of Klai Israel, even if you haven't met them. You love Klai Israel. You love every member of Klai Israel. In a deeper way, really, then do that for the whole world. Devote yourself to the world. In a different way, but a deep way, you can love every member of, of the world. And, you know, if Cook would say, you know, then you love the, the world itself, the, you know, then ultimately you go root back to Kashmaruch. I mean, that's part of how you build a sensitivity to not harming animals, to the, the physical earth itself. You know, it could be heebie-jeebie. It could be like, oh, like, you know, stay away from that person. But in a deep way, there's a truth to it. There's a truth to it. We're not going to go... I mean, if you think of the entire physical world as an expression of the spiritual, there's a deep root consciousness to the world itself. You have Midrashim that talk about, like, inanimate things talking. Like, the, yeah, there's rocks talking underneath Yaakov's head. So... It's like, really? So there's a part of that which is just an idea. There's a deep truth to it too. Moshe Rabbeinu wouldn't hit, you know, wouldn't do the makos that were related to the water because the water saved him and the sand because it hid the mystery. So, you know, part of it is because he has a karsha tov. It's about him recognizing what the, the good and that those things saved his life. But part of it is that, you know, even inanimate things have an aspect of spirituality, an aspect of consciousness, albeit a much, much, much lower form, but the sensitivity of everything as being an expression of spiritual root. And, and, and having a sensitivity to the whole world as an expression of Akash Baruch Ratzon, that's a deep idea right there. And obviously the first and greatest example of expanding your sense of self is in marriage, because the best way of giving and sharing yourself with someone else and really finding like expanding your sense of self in the deepest and most potent way is through marriage. That's why the relation the Ramban explains the relationship between all of us and, and Akash Baruch Hu is a married relationship. It's that deepest form of giving of self. Akash Baruch Hu gave the ultimate self in the relationship. He gave us existence. And we give ourselves to Akash Baruch Hu. We devote ourselves back to our root. And that's like that oneness relationship of that intertwining Mat and Torah. Chazal say that Harsina was the chuppah. That was our marriage with Akash Baruch Hu, where we committed to a lifelong journey of revealing Hashem in this world and coming to a life of truth of Avodos Hashem. So now let's start bringing it back. 
why do we give tzedakah, right? Teshuvah, tefillah, tzedakah, that's how you uproot a, a, a bad gazera. Why tzedakah? It's so beautiful now. Because as an individual, you may have a bad gazera on you. As an individual, you may have done something wrong. But once you're able to become part of a tzibor, something bigger than yourself, you can get the din of that tzibor. So by giving tzedakah, you're expanding your sense of self beyond yourself. You're becoming part of something bigger than yourself. You're becoming part of Klai Yisrael. And Teshuv and Tefillah are, you can say, are more individual. You're returning to your root self. There's aspects of still returning to Klai Yisrael as well. But tzedakah is that beautiful idea of uprooting the bad gazir by becoming something much bigger than what you are. By becoming tapped into the deep truth of you are part of Klai Yisrael, which is unbelievable. And there's something really powerful about this as well, because there is a deep existential yearning that we all have to become part of something bigger than ourselves. It's why people love kumzitzes, why people love concerts, why they love you know giant events, sports games, whatever it is. We love falling, melting into the background of a crowd, being part of something extraordinary, part of something infinite, part of something way bigger than ourselves. You lie down, stare at the night sky, it's mesmerizing. I mean, the Rambam, the Rambam says one of the most amazing ways to build Yiras Hashem and Avas Hashem is to look at the, the grandeur and the, the beauty of the physical world, to stare at the night sky sky and the stars and the infinite nature of the universe. But we're also individuals. And that's where the beautiful synergy comes into play. On the one hand, we want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. On the other hand, we want to be unique. We want the spotlight on us. We want to be important. We want to be significant. We want people to know who we are. We want to be recognized. We want to feel that like we mean something. How do you, how do you solve that seeming paradox that we have these two contradictory yearnings? Well, you could say that, no, the ideal is to negate yourself, negate your ego, just become part of something bigger than yourself. You could say, that, no, life is about being a yachid, being unique, and be, you know developing your own keser Torah. The Rambam says that at night you are able to really you know, build the keser Torah. Why? Because at night, it's not when there's hundreds of people in the base measures. You may be sitting in a room by yourself, or it's, you're more in a, in a realm of yachidus, where you're able to really become more self-aware and learn deeper Torah and delve deeper into yourself and really, in a sense of heightened awareness, find your uniqueness. So if that's true, like, what's going on? Which one is it? But the real idea is both. It's synthesizing the two. It's finding what makes you unique. You know, some people are brilliant thinkers. Other people are are more technically tuned. They're more mathematically inclined. Some people are more emotional. Some people are more people-oriented. Some people, uh, you know, people just open up to them. Uh, they're, they're really good communicators. They're really good em- uh, empathizing at being able to listen and make people feel, not, uh, like, create that open space so that people don't feel judged. Other people are better with their hands. Some people are really good. Uh, they're just natural businessmen. You want to find your uniqueness, your tafti, what makes you tick. How can you become the greatest version of you, but then devote whatever it is that you are and everything that you are, devote that to the Klal. Devote that to Klal Yisrael. Devote that to the world. Devote everything that makes you unique, all of your greatness, make that about something bigger than yourself. That's the key. And now we can 
we can start to understand some of the problems we raised. Why, why, why is everything in the plural? Why is everything in the plural in Rosh Hashanah? Because we're trying to become part of something bigger than ourselves. We're trying to tap into the fact that we're part of Klai Yisrael. As an individual, you have a certain type of din. As an individual, you might not be zocha to a certain extraordinary year. But once you're part of Klai Yisrael, once you're part of Klai Yisrael, Klai Yisrael is, first of all, in terms of who's going to live, who's going to die, Klai Yisrael is definitely going to live. So you want to be part of that, you know, you want to be in the book of life, so to speak, without getting into that whole, that's a whole sheer what that means, book of life. But you want to really be tapping into the zechusim of being part of the klal. As an individual, all you are is what you are. When you're part of a klal, you're part of something infinite. It's the cause of a mitzvah. The Maharal says it comes from the lotion of tzavta. Because as an individual, your action is just you. But once you're connecting to the will of a Baruch Hu, you become infinite. That's why Godel HaMetsuvah Mi'yisheinu Metsuvah. Greater is one who's commanded than one who isn't commanded. Now you think, what if I wasn't commanded I did it? I'm doing it spontaneously. I'm showing how much I love Hashem. No, but when you're commanded and you do it, you're connecting your will to an infinite will, to a Baruch Hu's will, and you're becoming infinitely greater than yourself. So as great as anything you could do, once you become connected to a Baruch Hu, it becomes infinitely greater. Same idea here. Once you're connected to Klai Yisrael, you become infinitely greater than anything that you could be by yourself. It's not to say that you by yourself aren't important or incredible or great and you haven't accomplished a lot. It's you want to become not only a Yachid, but also part of a Tzibur, also part of a, a, a Kehila, also part of Klai Yisrael. And that's the idea of Tzedakah, of becoming part of a shared self, part of a self that is bigger than yourself. And that's also the answer to why the Rambam says someone who's poor Ishmael at Sipur doesn't get any share of Olam Haba and can't do Teshuvah because you are not an individual. You're part of a bigger self. You're part of Klai Yisrael. If you disconnect yourself from Klai Yisrael, you don't exist. It's like, you can think of it almost like a projector. What, what, what you see on the screen comes from a projector. If you take the, the film out, there's nothing showing on the screen because it's no longer in the projector. If you take yourself out of the root, out of the seed, it's not going to grow into the tree. If you take yourself out of the genetics, out of the, out of the, the blueprint, out of the genetic makeup, you're not going to be expressed when the human being is fully grown. It's the same idea there. If you take yourself out of the root, out of Israel's root, out of you porish mitzibur, you remove yourself from your root self, you can't do teshuva. I mean, unless you go back to your root self, unless you reconnect to the Tzibor, because you don't exist within the root anymore. And that's why you don't get Olam Haba, because Olam Haba, part of Olam Haba, is existing as part of a cloud that's breaking yourself. Now, you exist as everything you create, but you're also there as part of something bigger, as Klai Yisrael. If you remove yourself from Klai Yisrael, you're no longer there. It's not a punishment. It's a direct consequence. You have removed, you have removed yourself from reality. You have removed yourself from your root. Now, the way to do tshuva is to reattach yourself to your root, to rejoin the tzibur, to make yourself part of Klai Yisrael, to make all of your individual greatness part of a bigger greatness, something that's bigger than yourself. But now we come to our big question. What's our big question? All of this sounds great. All of this sounds great, except there's one big problem. What about Rosh Hashanah? What makes Rosh Hashanah so powerful? What is unique about Rosh Hashanah? So let's build it like this. 
So far we talked about individual tshuva. And we talked about this idea of tshuva of going back to your root, going back to Klai Yisrael. But there's one last step. And the last step is going back to your ultimate root. Not only the root of yourself, not only the root of your higher self, your true self, but the root of Klai Yisrael. We're going back to our ultimate root. Rosh Hashanah is going back to what? It's going back to Hashem. And Rosh Hashanah, we go back to Hashem Himself. During Elul, and, and, and really this whole time, we're trying to achieve our personal teshuva. We're trying to become our best selves. We're working on ourselves. Tikkun Hamidus, we're working on our characteristics and our character traits. We're working on developing a sensitivity, on, on becoming a grower, grow, developing a growth mindset. And we're also trying to become part of a tzibor. We're devoting ourselves to the oneness of Klai Yisrael, to becoming part of Klai Yisrael, really making our mission statement, I want to be bigger than myself. I want to devote myself to Klai Yisrael. Give all my kochos and talents to Klai Yisrael. But the last destination, the ultimate step, is I want to devote myself to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I love Hashem. I want to connect to Hashem. I want my life to be about fulfilling my ultimate purpose, which is connecting to my ultimate root, Hashem Himself. And connecting back to our ultimate root is what Rosh Hashanah is about. It's rooting ourselves within reality, saying, I want to be rooted and connected to Hashem, and I want to be part of the story. I want to fulfill my ultimate purpose, which is about saying, what's the rats in Hashem, and how do, I, how do I live that type of life? And part of this is, going back to the past couple of shim that we've been giving, is recognizing Hashem as our ultimate root, as our ultimate source, as the makom of reality. Now you can think of Hashem as having created the world, but the Ramchal and the Maharal and the they all mention the famous Midrash that the world, the world is not Hashem's makom, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the makom of the world. What does that mean? So we've mentioned many times. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, didn't just create the world, that he created the possibility of existence. He created a place for existence, and that before Hashem created the world, there was nothing. But there wasn't actually nothing, there was no thing. When we say yesh ayin, we're referring to what ayin? So it's the same lashon as ein sof. It's from ayin, from nothing, but really ayin means no thing from that which is beyond thing, even beyond oneness. It's the absolute root. It's HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. From that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made space, we're not going to get, we can't really go so much into what that means, because that's a, once again, I even a share, probably multiple share, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu made space, made the possibility for us to be able to exist. We exist within Hashem. We are Within Hashem, and Nefesh Chaim explains, not only are we within Hashem, not physically, but in a very deep existential way we are within Hashem, but we are constantly being brought into existence. We are constantly being created. You can think of it almost like the projector concept, or like a flow of electricity, a flow of will. So, most people think Hashem one time created the world, so we are, we're here. So Nefesh Chaim says that. In the physical world, you take, a build, you take bricks and you build a building and it stays there. The way Akash Baruch Hu created is through will through willing us and thinking us into existence. Will is the root, and thought is the expression. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Osa Masa HaKadosh Baruch Hu constantly is creating the world. What does that mean? So the analogy that I've mentioned a couple times before is, think about a person in your mind. You know, give him a name, give him a, you know, a face, give him, put clothes on him, and give him a background, give him a story, give him a personality, and okay, now he, think about him. Now stop thinking about him. 
disappears. He ceases to exist. He only exists so long as you think him into existence, as you will him into existence. HaKadosh Baruch Hu constantly wills the world into existence, which means that right now Hashem is willing and thinking about us, because if he stopped willing us into existence, we would cease to exist. That's the deep idea behind why in Volajan they would learn Torah around the clock, because as long as Torah is being learned, we're tapping into that root energy of Estakal Baraisa Baralma, that the Torah is the root of the creative energy of, of existence, that the physical world is an expression of the Torah, expression of spiritual root. But without confusing anyone who doesn't understand that, the basic idea is that Akash Baruch Hu is willing us into existence. Right now, Hashem is thinking about you. You only exist because Hashem is thinking about you. Hashem is thinking you into existence. Which means that we are constantly being created, we are constantly connected to Hashem. We have to simply become more aware of it and hone into that koach. But that's the, the, the powerful idea that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is our makam. He's the root of our existence. He is the reason why we continue to exist. And Rosh Hashanah is about tapping into that. It's about tapping into HaKadosh Baruch Hu as our ultimate root. It's about saying, I want to be connected to you. I want to exist in reality. Meaning, I want to be part of the story. Meaning that I know you're the root of my existence. I know you're willing me into existence, and I want to continue to be willed into existence because I want to be so tapped into the root of reality. I want to be so tapped into a Kaj Baruch Hu, so connected to a Kaj Baruch Hu, so tapped into the cosmic unfolding of history, the, the story of this world. I want so badly to be in the root of reality that I continue to be brought into existence this year. That's really the ultimate feel of Rosh Hashanah. We're not davening for teshuva. We're not davening for, for Hashem to forgive our sins. We're just trying to recognize Hashem as our ultimate root and tap ourselves into that, connect ourselves to the root. Rosh Hashanah isn't a chesmet of whether Hashem will forgive your sins. It's a question of whether are you, are, are you rooted in reality? Are you connected to Hashem at root? Are you... Do you want to be here? And when I say to be here, I don't mean like in the physical world. I mean like in the physical world, achieving a root spiritual mission. How badly do you want to achieve greatness? How badly do you want to fulfill something extraordinary for Akash Baruch Hu? To be you know, involved in the Melchama Hashem, to be involved in this extraordinary journey of achieving something for the ultimate purpose. And that's what the Rosh Hashanah feels about. The Malchias, the Vilna explains, is, is recognizing Akash Baruch Hu as our Mahmud. It's recognizing that everything in the world exists because Akash Baruch Hu brings into, into existence. We are crowning Akash Baruch Hu as our Melech, which means that we are recognizing Hashem as our source, the creative source and force of reality, and that everything that happens into this world stems from Akash Baruch Hu. And it's recognizing Akash Baruch Hu as our Melech, which means... He, Hashem is the one who governs Hashgacha, Hashgacha Pratis. It's recognizing that anything that I want in this world needs to stem from Hashem. There's no other way for anything to happen. Hashem is the source of everything. And Zechronos, what's Zechronos? Zechronos means memory. What's memory? It's tracing something back to where it happened. Zechronos is tracing things back to their root. And we, we talked about this in previous year, but it's the same concept, tracing ourselves back to our ultimate root. 
What's our ultimate root? Well, part of it is we're, we're all part of Klai Yisrael, a shared self. And then what's the root of Klai Yisrael? Tracing yourself back. Shofar's, what's Shofar? So Shofar, we, we just gave a whole shear on Shofar, which was a very, very deep shear. But to briefly review, Shofar isn't meant to just wake you up. That's part of it. But it's meant to wake you up at an existential root level. It's meant to wake up your inner yearnings to become your true self. That's why shofar is a soundless cry. It's beyond words. It's, it's at root. The root of dibur is sound. It's coal. It's coal shofar. That's why the Rambam says that a stolen shofar, you can still fulfill the mitzvah of shofar because it's all about the coal, the physical vessel. Most things, you steal a lulav, you can't use it, especially on the first day. It has to be lechem. And also mitzvah baba vera. What's the, what's the idea of a stolen shofar? The entire essence of shofar is that it transcends the physical. We're going back to the ultimate root of the existential root of sound, which is kol, that soundless cry, that deep internal yearning to connect to our ultimate root. And if you want to take a step further, the shorish of shofar has the same shorish as a couple other words. Number one, l'shaper, which means to go back to the root and to perfect, to, to repair, to improve it. It also has the same root as shapir, which means something which is spiritually beautiful, but also may shafir, which is the amniotic fluid, which is going back to your fetal self where you were perfect in the womb. Shofar is, a go back, is about waking you up from your stupor and inspiring you to go back to your ultimate self, to perform teshuva, to go back to your fetal self of perfection, which is really beautiful. And in a deep way, shofar is, they're all really interconnected. So really, all of them are about going back to your ultimate self and Klai Yisrael's ultimate self and then our real ultimate self, which is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But shofar is much more individual. Zichronos is much more about Klai Yisrael and Malchios is obviously much more about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, our ultimate Melech, our Malcolm HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So now we can go back to our questions. Why is there no Vidway in Rosh Hashanah? Why aren't we talking about Teshuvah and, and Mechaper Avonos? Because Rosh Hashanah is not about us. Rosh Hashanah is about Hashem. Rosh Hashanah is about rooting ourselves within reality, recognizing Hashem as our Melch, recognizing Hashem as our ultimate source. The, the actual Cheshbon of our Avonos and Kapar, that will come afterwards. That will come by Yom Kippur. But Rosh Hashanah is saying, who are you? And where are you rooted? And the answer to that should be, I I'm an Evet Hashem, and I'm rooting myself in reality, connecting to Hashem, which is the ultimate source of everything. It's all about going to our higher root, connecting back to our higher root, saying, I want to be part of reality. I want to be part of Hashem. And it's the focus is, I want to be part of Hashem. Not I want to be part of Hashem, but I want to be part of Hashem. The focus still needs to be on Hashem. And, I mean, the powerful truth is that what's... Everything's interconnected. So, but isn't it Yom Adin? Aren't you still going to be judged? So there is something unbelievable. He says, when we blow shofar, we move Hakadosh Baruch Hu from the kisei of din to the kisei of rachamim. Why? Because what does shofar do? Shofar recognizes Hakadosh Baruch Hu as our ultimate root. The whole idea of, of Malchios, Zichronos, and Shofros is recognizing Hashem as the ultimate source. Which means what? We can give a whole shir on, on chesed, din, and teferis, but the idea is like this. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world with midas din. Why? Because part of the entire purpose of reality is for us to earn our ultimate perfection, which is the ultimate connection with Hashem, 
which is the ultimate godliness, becoming our, you know, actualizing our Salma Kim, becoming a creator, becoming all wise and all kinds and all giving and becoming godly. But in order to do that, if he gave it to us as a gift, it would be embarrassing because Akash Baruch Hu, no one gave him his, his perfection. So he allowed us to earn our perfection, which is coming as close to, to, to actually being like Hashem as possible. Like obviously there's still gonna be a distinction, but you are now as like as much like Hashem as possible. So Hakash Baruch Hu is a creator and you create yourself. Hakash Baruch Hu is a giver and you gave yourself to Hakash Baruch Hu, you devoted yourself to Hakash Baruch Hu. Hakash Baruch Hu is all wise and you earned your wisdom. So you know, it, it's it's a we, we've given Shirman. This is a very very deep idea, but the principle is like this: the principle of din is ms. It's that midah connected midah. You get what you deserve. So Kadosh Baruch Hu created the world of midah connected midah so that we would get what we deserve. Now the concept of Yom Hadin is what do you deserve? Who are you? But Kadosh Baruch Hu also added rachamim, which is the ability for. For, for mercy. Now why? Because if you got exactly what you deserved, then you know you wouldn't be able to handle it. So, so this is a whole topic. We're not going to delve too deeply into it. But what's the, the idea here? The idea is like this. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world with Din. On Rosh Hashanah, we are being judged. But who created the rules of Din? Who created the concept of Din? Who is actually going to be the one to decide what happens to you? Hakash Baruch Hu. Hakash Baruch Hu is beyond Din. He's beyond the rules. He created the rules. So the Ramchal says unbelievably, he says that when we recognize Hashem as the ultimate source, when we recognize Hashem as our Melech, when you recognize Hashem as the source of Din, we're able to transcend Din. And that's how we're able to get a Kapar and Yom Kippur because we are able to recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the one who is able to be Mechaper Aravanos because he doesn't have to obey the rules of Din because he created them. He transcends them. That's really the idea of the Yud Gimel Midos of Rachamim. We're not going to delve too deeply into that because it's also a whole topic. Everything's a whole topic in Torah. Everything to really fully understand anything, you need to fully understand everything. And really every single idea, every single concept requires a whole shear. But the idea, as we've talked about several times, is that whenever you give a shear, you want to really delve into your specific topic and then use all of the other topics and concepts in Torah to help unfold the topic at hand while recognizing that to truly understand this topic, you then need to unfold all those other topics. And then to understand all those other topics, you need to understand the topic you're talking about, but also a bunch of other topics. It's an endless journey. It's the sea of Torah. And the key is not to be overwhelmed with the fact that you'll never fully understand anything, but to enjoy every step of the process. As the Ramban explains, the Russia says, I'll never understand everything, so what's the point? And the Tzaddik says, I'll never understand everything, but I get to learn a little more today. And it's an endless journey, but I enjoy every step of the journey. And, I mean, that is our journey. That, that is our journey, and when we talk about the journey from Elul to Yom Kippur, it's really a four-stage journey. It's 40 days but it's a four-stage journey. And the journey is El. El is really more focused on, I mean, all of them contain all of them. All of them are about individual, Hashem. but El is about going back to our individual root. We're, we're achieving Teshuvah, which really Teshuvah itself is a paradox. How can you change the past? So the way you change the past is by changing who you are. You, you're not changing what happened, you're changing who you are. 
in some sense, there's there's an aspect of you can change what happened, but in a deeper sense, and this is based on, uh, on the Gemara, which we're not going to delve into right now, but you're not changing what happened, you're changing your relationship with what happened, you're removing yourself from it, and you're becoming someone new. And Rosh Hashanah is about going beyond Teshuvah. Right? El is about tshuva, becoming the best version of yourself, working on yourself, you know, really regretting the past things that went wrong, uh, really wanting to become, remember, recognize what happened, regret it, and commit to a better future. Rosh Hashanah is going beyond tshuva. We're going beyond our individual journey. We're saying, I just want to be connected with Hashem. It's about rooting yourself, first of all, rooting yourself in Klai Yisrael, but it's really rooting yourself with the ultimate root of reality, which is the Kaddish Baruch Hu. And... We'll just delve into this for just a minute or two. The, the real task it is, is asking Hashem, saying, I, first I'm recognizing Hashem as my ultimate root. But the next is I'm asking Hashem, I'm asking Him, I just want a part to play in this for you. Like, I want a part to play in this world. I want to be rooted in reality. I want, I want, to, I want to have a seed planted for this next year. I want to be here, but not for me, for you. I know that... Rosh Hashanah is where the scene for the next year is being created. And I know that, you know, from my own, for, for what I deserve, I don't, I don't know what I deserve. But I know that you have an amazing story to tell. I know Akash Baruch has an amazing plan where we're revealing, we're bringing up Mashiach, we're revealing the ultimate truth, we're revealing Torah truth, we're revealing, uh, you know, the ultimate to the world. I want a part to play in that. That's what we're asking for, Nisham. We're saying, I want to be part of this. But for you, Hashem, I, I want a, a bigger tafka to fulfill. And think of it like this. Hashem is writing this incredible story. That's really what history is. This is unfolding of one big revelation of Akash Baruch And Ramchal says at the end of days, the Mashiach will come. We'll see how every single part of all of history was ultimately revealing Akash Baruch was ultimately bringing the world towards, towards its ultimate destination. But in the meantime, we have to bring it. We can't just sit here and wait. We have to be characters, actors in this play. We have to become part of the story. You and I have parts to play in this story. In Rosh Hashanah, we ask Hashem, I want a part to play. I'm signing up. I'm auditioning. Like, look how much I want it. Look how, how genuine I am. Look how much I really want it. And you might say, like, I, maybe I don't want it. Maybe I'm not being genuine. No, but that's what the shuv is, is recognizing that you do want it. In the womb, you were shown what you're supposed to accomplish, and all of tefillah is about tapping into that and saying, I really, I, I want to tap into who I really am. And when you dive into Hashem, you're saying, like, just help me become who I'm supposed to be. Help me fulfill my role. Help me play my part in the story. And, like, Rosh Hashanah should be a time where we ask Akash Baruch Hu, for the biggest role we can possibly have. We have to say, I'm ready. I'm ready for a big role. You know, let, let me become more. Let, give me the call. Give me the ability. Give me the skills. Give me the assets. Give me the tools. Give me the resources and the resourcefulness to be able to become the person I want to become. And that's that's our that's our topic in Rosh Hashanah. I'll, I'll just share like the, the famous question around the Rambam says that you either a tzaddik, a rasha, or a benini. And a benini is someone who has, you know, 50-50. And he says that most people in the world are benini. Now, most people in the world are 
if you count your mitzvahs, count your virus, most of the people in the world are 50-50. Now, first of all, we don't know how much a mitzvah is valued. We don't know how much a virus is valued. What does that mean that everyone's 50-50? Almost everyone's a Bainani. Everyone's somewhere, you know, like exactly in the middle, 50-50. There's a beautiful idea, which is that you are where you're rooted. You are where you're rooted. And this is actually part of the idea of why bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. You are where you're rooted. You are who you really are. And if someone's rooted in reality, they're rooted in truth, they're rooted in Torah, they're rooted in Avodah Hashem, that person's a tzaddik. That person's fulfilling their purpose. And oh, why do bad things happen to good people? Because their root is in reality. They have a couple of years, some Averos, they have to get punishment for those Averos in this world so that in Olam Haba they get to exist only as who they really are. In Rosham, are people who are rooted in evil, rooted in deception, rooted in wasting their life, wasting their time, corruption, lying, stealing. Those are people who, that's their entire essence. That's what, who they, they've chosen to be. And oh, they have, uh, how come such good things happen to them? Because maybe they have some good things that they've done. But those good things, ah, oh, but a mitzvah is infinite. How can it be re- rewarded for something that's infinite in the physical world, something finite? Because those mitzvahs weren't real. They weren't doing mitzvahs l'shem shemaim fravot Hashem. So they have some, you know, some, some milas, some, uh, some zechusim, so those are rewarded in this world. But they're rooted in non-existence. But most people, most people in the world are benanim. They never decided who they're going to be. Sometimes they're feeling like it, they do good things. Sometimes they're not feeling like it, they do they mess up. You know, who knows what people's internet history is, and who knows what people do behind closed doors, and who knows what people really think about you, or who knows what you really think about people, and who knows, who knows anything. But most people are here, they're there, they're, they, they, they're not focused. They haven't rooted themselves and chosen who they're going to be. And Rosh Hashanah is about choosing. It's about saying, I'm no longer going to be a Benini. I am rooting myself in reality. I am choosing Hashem. I am choosing life. I am choosing existence. I am choosing purpose. I am choosing a tafkid. And I am choosing to have Hashem will me into a higher purpose and write me into the story. I want to achieve more. I want to be more. I want to be a tzaddik. I want to be a tzaddik. And now the Gemara, Nida, the Aflama, the base, it contains and says that right before you were born, you made an oath and you made a nether that you'd be a tzaddik. What does that mean? The Rambam says everyone could be a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu. Rav Wasserman says, well, what does that mean? You can't be like Moshe Rabbeinu. A tzaddik means you fulfill your tafkid, your purpose. You made a nether to fulfill your purpose. And you want to be in the book of life? Make that nether. You're about to be recreated. Every year we're recreating Rosh Hashanah. You're about to, you have to take that and do that. I want to be a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu. I want to be, I want to be a tzaddik. What does that mean? I want to fulfill my purpose. I want to be a tzaddik. I want to be in the book of life. I want to be rooted in reality. I want to be connected to Kodesh Baruch I want a higher meaning and purpose to my life. It's something, you know, you look in the mirror, you say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I want more. And Rosh Hashanah is about choosing. It's about uprooting yourself from where you are and maybe for the first time in our lives saying, I am really, really choosing who I'm going to be. I'm not going to dabble. I'm not going to try it. I'm not going to make a big goal. I'm committing. I'm going all in and I'm going to focus and I'm going to make it a reality. I'm going to create external about. I'm going to create external accountability. I'm going to tell people. I'm going to have chavrusas. I'm going to have partners. I'm going to... Tell my spouse, I'm going to uh, make sure that whatever it is that I have to do, I have to do, and I'm not going to be inspired and let it fade away like always. I'm going to make it a reality. 
I'm going to achieve the impossible. I'm going to be connected to the, the source of all possibility, that which is beyond reality, the source of reality, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And, and that's really what Rosh Hashanah is about. Because after Rosh Hashanah, after we recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu as our makam, we recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the source of reality, we then come back down into Aser Smei Teshuvah where we're, we ride those waves and we take advantage of that last stage of Teshuvah. And Yom Kippur is once we are rooted in reality, once we know that we are committed to achieving a higher purpose, once we're in existence, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu wipes our slate clean. Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's like the culmination and the climax of this process. It's the last stage of the, of the Teshuvah process. Once we're rooted in reality, we start the year with a clean slate. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wipes away our past of onus. So it's unbelievable. It's the biggest gift. It's the biggest gift. And, and this is really what we need to be thinking about. How do we do it? How do we make it? Like, one of the things that, that is the most difficult, difficult for a speaker, for, for a Rebbe, for a teacher, is when people listen to Torah as ideas. Torah, Torah is not just ideas. You need, we need to live Torah ideas. And right now, either pause this or commit to right after this year, write down what you're going to do. Make this real. This is not inspiration. These are not fluff. This is not something which is going to make you feel good and you can go through Russia feeling all good. Commit. Make it that it's impossible for you not to do it. Whatever it is. Like, we never, never, never go back to the way things were. Take a step forward. Make sure that today is the first day of the rest of your life. And that's the essence of what Rosh Hashanah is. Rosh Hashanah is the decision to be great. The decision to be part of reality. Think about it. Famous Tosos. Tosos asks, what's going on? Famous Machlokas in the Gemara. Was the world created in, in Rosh Hashanah or Pesach? Was it in Tishrei? Or Nisan. It's really, was it El or Adar? Because the 25th of El or the 25th of Adar. But was, hum, was humanity, which is the first of Tishrei, humans were created on the sixth day of creation. Was humanity created on, on Tishrei or on Nisan? One opinion says Tishrei, the other says Nisan. So Tosa says, well, what's going on? <laughs> Do we paskin like one? It seems like we paskin like uh, the one in Nisan. So what's Rosh Hashanah? So he answers unbelievably. He says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided to create the world on Rosh Hashanah. Decided. But he actually created the world, at least humanity, on Nisan. But what are we, why do we celebrate Rosh Hashanah then? Because that's the most important stage of creation, the decision. If you want to really tap into Rosh Hashanah, you need to tap into the power of ruts and the power of will, the power of deciding. Decide who you're going to be. Decide you're going to be connected with Hashem. Decide to root yourself in reality. Decide to, to just say, I want to be part of the story, Hashem. But then decide how incredible your year is going to be. Make goals. But make concrete goals. Make a concrete plan. The way I think of it is create your, what would be your ultimate life, the next 50 years of your life. Okay, how is this year going to head you in that direction. What's, what's the ultimate version of this year to head you towards the ultimate version of you? Now, what's the ultimate version of this month to head you towards this ultimate year? What's the ultimate version of this week to head you towards that ultimate month? What's the ultimate version of today to head you towards the ultimate week? And now break down today into finite goals. 
Orient your life. Orient yourself. Create actual goals, achievable goals. Break them down into smaller goals. Make your life a real journey, a real incredible story of growth, a real incredible story of contribution, of meaning and purpose. Because that's what Rosh Hashanah is about. It's about deciding, making the decision. And halacha, recognizing willpower. The, the, the Gemara, actually, the Gemara in Kedushin, it says that if someone says, I'll marry you on, on the condition, on tonight, on the condition that I'm a tzaddik, we have to be choshesh. There's halachic relevance to that claim, and we have to actually be choshesh that maybe that was a good Kedushin. So it, it, the Gemara says, even if, we, even if we know he wasn't a tzaddik, why? Because the Gemara says, unbelievable. It says because maybe he had Hirhure Tshuva. Maybe he had the initial thoughts, and maybe he at that moment he did Tshuva. What does that mean? The decision of who you want to be is real. Who you decide to be is who you are. As long as it's genuine, as long as it's real. I mean, the Gemara... It's really, it's really missionary, even. But it, saw, it talks about that you have 2,000 amos. If you're outside of a city, if you're outside the Tchum and Shabbos, you have 2,000 amos that you can walk. Now, what if someone's, it's Erev Shabbos, it's about to be Shabbos, and a person is far from where they want to be? They can point and say, I want to be there, and their 2,000 amos will start from where they want to be. Why? Because Halakha recognizes you as where you want to be. It's the decision, it's willpower, it's deciding who you want to be. Who are you going to be? That is the essential question. That's why the Raman puts the halachos of free will in Hilchas Shuvah. The essential component of the Shuvah is free will, it's willpower, it's the ability to choose, to change where you are, to change the point of existence from where you are to where you want to be. And that's the essence of Rosh Hashanah. It's deciding, it's using will, using Ratzon, using willpower to choose who you are, who you want to be, rooting yourself with. And number one, your higher self. Number two, your higher collective self, Klai Yisrael. And number three, the root of all self, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as Nefshah Chaim explains, the Neshamesh al Neshamesh, the ultimate root of all self. And that's our Avodah. So let's really think about how we can become our ultimate selves, how we can be connected and commit ourselves to Klaishol, be part of a bigger self, and how we can really connect ourselves to the ultimate Ratzon, the Ratzon of Akash Baruch Hu, Ratzon Chakirtzono, making our Ratzon like his Ratzon, Safta, connecting ourselves to Akash Baruch Hu, and living the ultimate lives of truth. So my bracha to all of us is that we are rooted in the Book of Life, that we commit and connect ourselves to Hashem, that we anoint Him as our Melech, that we fall in love with ourselves, we fall in love with Klaus, we fall in love with Hashem, and we embark on this incredible journey. We take ourselves, we root ourselves out of a Benini and root ourselves into reality. We start committing ourselves, take that nether to be a tzaddik, commit to live that life of truth, and really ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu for a bigger part in this grand cosmic story.